Dear Mama, welcome to podcast number three, or maybe it's four, I have no idea, but here is your morning riff this morning coming to you from my car, and yes, as always, I am hands-free and acting safely. I was trying to think about what topic did I want to talk about this morning, and I went through a number of them, and the first thing that came into mind was based on my experience yesterday, and it is, am I doing this right? Motherhood is such an interesting thing. I always talk to um, moms. I remember before even I had a, a child, and I'd watch them, and I'd talk to them about their experience between their first and their second or their third or fourth, depending on how many they had. God bless them. Um, and... Um, And it was interesting. The first one was always the one that they took the most precautions with, the most um, uh, tentative to, the most kind of uh, research, learning, asking questions, unsure, calling their mom, calling their doctor, calling their nurse, calling whoever, to always ask for feedback as to what they should be doing and is it they're doing right and do they have a fever and this rash. And and there's just a constant... um, questioning of self and listening inward and it's interesting having my daughter who's one having a mother who's a nurse um, being a a single mom co-parenting with somebody that I don't align with at all um, and and actually have zero communication with unfortunately um, and trying to listen deeply to myself and what I need and what I want as a mother and then at the same time as filling my cup is listening to my daughter's needs and wants and being a responsive parent and so I heard this term not too long ago and I think it's really powerful but um, it, it, it basically is called responsive parenting um, and I don't know how much is out there research because I made a choice not to look into it, but just to, that the words itself resonated with me and what does that actually mean to me and how do I want to show up to my daughter. Um, and I have very clear values. I've done a lot of values work and so I understand personally I have three very distinct values in the world. Every, every human being has three to five. I do the work, I teach the work, and so um, my three values are uh, freedom, freedom to love, to understand, to listen, to speak, freedom to be who I am in my authentic state everywhere that I go. Um, And there's a few other pieces attached to it. The next value that's really important to me is around uh, community, and that's feeling loved, connected, in community with people that I align with from an authentic place, from my freedom place. So they get to show up in their authentic state and I get to show up in my authentic state and we build community and union. And that's often very difficult because unless we find people in our lives that we are directly aligned with, it can be often challenging to fully be in that space, um, depending on the depth of way that you live in your life and the preferred way of communication or socializing. The last value that I have that is probably the most prominent in all of this or that ties it all together is service. And um, this is about contributions. My value is about contribution, the ability to contribute my gifts um, freely to others in my life, in my work, my career, sorry, in my working career, um, and my personal life as well as in my community, so that I can offer that to anybody, contribute something to a greater purpose. And vice versa is that I get to support people, which is really important to me, to contribute at their greatest capacity and potential. So I know that I have those three values. I know how important they am. I've done a lot of work and a lot of sitting with them and I consciously make any choices in my life when I, when I started to understand and develop these. 
um, and align with them is that any choice that I make in my life has to have those three values in it. If it doesn't have those three values and I can't reconfigure my thinking to incorporate those three values in one form or another, then I don't do it because it's all, it's going to fail because those are the core things that are really important to me. And so when I was unexpectedly pregnant with my daughter, I made a conscious decision. I need to live this way with my daughter. And I, there are certain things that I want my daughter to be able to um, learn through my role modeling and through my experiences and my interactions with her and how I can set up community and pieces for her so that she can see things like compassion, empathy, understanding, honoring yourself, listening to your internal boundaries, all of these different things. And at the same time, conflicted with all this information out there in the world about how I should parent, what that should look like, no co-sleeping, no bottle feeding, bottle feed, formula feed, don't formula feed, breastfeed, don't breastfeed. Like there's all this information out there um, about how much social time they should have, how much physical activity they should have, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so there's like just an abundance. And to me, it's super overwhelming even thinking about it. And so you're constantly questioning yourself and questioning that internal um, connection, that internal intuitiveness with your child based on all of this information. If you've done this work in self-development and you understand and are aware of yourself and, and aware of what you want to authentically, you know, how you authentically want to parent, it's one thing. But if you're not aware of those things, it's really easy to be bought into all of these different things. And even though I, I've done the work, I still get bombarded. People constantly tell me. So I'm, I'm mostly vegetarian. And, you know, somebody said, you should really just give your, your daughter meat because she needs the protein. And it's like, well, if I can get protein in other sources, why do I need to give them meat? Why do I need to give her meat? And then the whole thing of not giving dairy because I don't eat dairy. My daughter is sensitive to dairy. I know because when I have had something with dairy in it and my daughter, um, my breastfeeds, and when I've had dairy and I can tell in her because she's super gassy. And so don't give my daughter dairy. And so it's just really, um, that's just such a, just a mind swirl. I wanted to use the other word, but I'm going to refrain from swearing from this one. At least I'm going to try to anyways. Um, yeah. And so it's really interesting, you know, when we, we look at parenting, especially as a new parent, because, you know, oftentimes when we repeat things over and over again, have one, two, three, four, whatever, however many children that you have, you just kind of relax a little bit more into it but with your first one you're in this place of like you know constantly questioning how you're doing it and why you're doing it and you know reading this information and don't do this and don't do that and I remember sitting with my doctor and my doctor said okay so you know how's the breastfeeding going it was one of my daughter's checkups and and nine months checkup you know how's the breastfeeding going you know is she eating solid foods you know how's her development let's check you know do the the checking that they do with their hips and their heart and uh, lungs and eyes and ears and all that kind of stuff and sight. Um, And uh, she says, how's the sleeping? And I was like, oh, my daughter doesn't sleep uh, very well. Um, She still gets up several times for feeding throughout the night. And I'm doing this thing called responsive parenting where I'm just being present to it. And she's like, but you've mentioned that you're tired. And I was like, yeah, well, that's kind of the piece of it is like I give up sleep 
so that I can be present to my daughter, not at the expense of myself. And if it becomes an exp- a, a serious expense to myself, then I'll change that. But it's a short period of time. It's the first two years, you know, more or less of her life that this is going to be happening. And then she says to me, okay, so how's, you know, is she, um, are you co-sleeping? And I was like, yeah, I made a choice to co-sleep because rather than getting up every two to three hours to feed, all I need to do is roll over and be present. She says, do you understand that there's a higher risk of SIDS? And I said, can you explain that to me? And so she explained that the reason why there's a higher risk of SIDS is because when you co-sleep is because you're more likely to like with pillows and blankets that go over the child's face. And then when you're sleeping, you know, and I said, well, I have this special pillow that she sleeps in and there's no blankets or uh, pillows over her, you know, in and around her. And uh, oh, 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 okay. As long as you're taking precautions, but I have to, you know, she's like, I even co-sleep every once in a while with my kids. And so it's really fascinating. Like the research will tell you all of these things. And yet at the same time, you know, people are listening. Um, People don't always go with the research and it's being important to know if you're a heavy sleeper, you probably, and you tend to roll over on people, places and things in your sleep. You probably don't want to co-sleep common sense. If you're a lighter sleeper and you've set up the proper thing, then why not? In most countries in the world, children do not sleep by themselves in their cribs. They sleep in communion. They sleep in in their family structure. They sleep with their siblings. They sleep with their parent. It's only in North America that we tend to put our children in a separate room away from us at an earlier age. And then there's a whole thing about sleep training, which I'm not going to get into in this thing because that's a whole other topic. But the whole, the whole premise of this morning was like, am I doing this right? And I had a friend of mine tell me, you don't know if you're doing it right because there is no right. It's what's right for you and your child. And I find that so powerful because that means that everybody's right is different. And from a spiritual level, I believe that as women, we are given children, specific children that are born into the world. They chose us to come into the world from a spiritual uh, perspective. There is a reason if every relationship is unaccidental, every relationship is on purpose, they're here to help us to grow, then my job is to be as present as and in tune with myself in my values-based state so that I can be a best that the reason why my daughter chose me and the more I evolve as a woman as a mother um, as a human being in this world and I role model compassion understanding love self-reflection self-care you know communication all of those things that are important to me the more I role model to that the more strength that my daughter will have in her life and whatever journeys that she's to fulfill in this world that's, that's it, right? That's my support to her. That's why I'm offering her as a mother. And there's a really great quote. And actually yesterday at work, I was talking to somebody and somehow we talk about Khalil Gibran and he talks about how, um, you know, children, um, are, are not ours. We don't own children. And I can't remember the exact quote because I don't have it in front of me and I'm terrible with memorizing things like this. But he talks about, Khalil talks about how children come through you as women, but they do not belong to you. And so when I, you know, my last 
in my last uh, episode, I talked about like releasing. I talked about that letting go. And so if we are in a place of like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. And if I show up at 100% in any capacity, so I know that I'm being aware, present, if I'm exhausted, if I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm showing up the best that I possibly can in every given situation, then I'm doing the best parenting that I can. And if I can't and I need an extra support, then I ask for it, right? Um, and that, that often requires for women a lot of vulnerability of asking for help, asking for support, asking for connection. And it's so important, you know. We, we used to raise children in community. I had this conversation interesting enough at work too. We used to raise children in community. And now because so many women are working or going to school and raising children and having a family and, 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 and commuting, depending on, you know, North America, it adds extra, you know, half hour, hour to your day, sometimes more depending on where you work and where you live. Um, that adds another sense of, of isolation or of not being in that community, in that presence of your child and your family. And so the dynamics have shifted and changed. And then there's mom guilt and shame and all kinds of stuff that shows up. You know, I know it has for me and many moms that I've talked to is, you know, what is that right balance? And how do we could reconfigure, configure our lives to match our values so that we continuously show up and then understand that there are compromises in certain areas and let go where we cannot really meet the highest need. So if my daughter is being loved and cared for and, um, and she's happy and she's learning and she's safe, that is the most highest place. Sometimes what's extremely challenging for me is by whom, right? And, um, and as long as I'm role modeling the best possible space and I'm being the best possible mom and aligning her with the best possible people to caretake for her that is in my control, there are certain things that are in my control, there's certain things that are out of my control, that's what matters. And if I'm having an off day or a bad day or I'm not feeling like I'm being the best parent and I'm aware of it, what am I doing to reconfigure? What am I doing to reconfigure myself so that I can be the best that I can in every given situation? And I'm role modeling the behavior for my daughter because she really does watch everything that I do. And it's funny because if you, (laughs) she has certain facial expressions that people think are so funny because she just kind of shakes her head and her little teeth that are, she's got little spaces between her teeth and she's got them, her mouth open and she's like, grrr, and she's shaking her head. And that's what I do to her in the morning or in the bathtub to make her laugh. And she's doing this. She's just mimicking their mirrors and mimicking. So not only is her nervous system mirrored by mine, but also for the behavior and I'm role modeling this space for her. And that feels like a lot of pressure some days. And at the same time, what it's doing is making me more aware of who I am and how I show up in the world. And am I being in my authentic state? And am I aligned with my values? And can I just be at peace with where I am right now? Right? As somebody who, cr- who chronically hyperthinks about things, who overanalyzes, it allows me to be refocused and be present. What am I doing right now in this moment to be the best mom, best woman, best person, best human that I can be? And then it doesn't matter if I'm doing it right or wrong because that 
goes out the window. If I'm being the best that I can in this particular situation, then I am doing it right. Right for right now in this moment. And in the next moment, it could change and shift based on what I'm experiencing. Right? And so as long as I have my values and I'm aligned with those values and I understand those values and I'm grounded in my self-care and I'm taking time for me and I'm being present to my daughter when she is in my company, or when I'm in her company, I should say, um, that's where all the other stuff goes out the window and I can read and research and learn all these things, which is great. And then I can filter in what is most important to me in this life, in this experience with my daughter. Because I've never done this before, so how would I know what's right for me other than listening to how I stay attuned to what's important, right? And having some of those difficult conversations with people who are not aligned with it from the way that they interact. So my daughter, a great example. My daughter has very clear boundaries. If she doesn't like something, she will literally hit your hand away and say, no, I do it. Or she, she's just very clear with her boundaries. And I watch some, how some people interact with her. And they're like, no, no, come, come, come. And, and then, so I have to tell them, she's being very clear with you right now that those are her boundaries. She doesn't want your help. She doesn't want to come up. She doesn't want a kiss. She doesn't want a hug. And that's okay. Even at one. She's been doing this for months, by the way. And it's fascinating to watch how clear her boundaries are. And it makes me think all these women in the world right now who have serious boundary issues with men or people or family, it doesn't matter who it is, mostly it's with men, interesting enough. But those boundaries probably existed when you were a child, but through conditioning, through culture, through different experiences, they were lost. And so when we get back to that space, when we get back to that place, It's amazing what we learn through our children. My daughter is reminding me daily about effective boundaries. She doesn't know any different. And I make sure if she doesn't want to hug right now, okay, no hug. It's okay. It's totally fine. How about a high five? Oh, you want to give me a high five? Great. Thank you. So I'm, I'm being mindful. And then I'm looking around me in my day to day and going, where are my boundaries with other people? not set the way that my daughter is exampling to me, right? How powerful is that? To me, that's right parenting. For some of you, you might disagree and that's okay. But there's a different way of thinking about it. If we watch our children in their pure state, we know highly intelligent human beings, even at that age, they may not be able to talk our language. They may not be able to interact the way that we want. They may throw food around. They may throw a little tantrum, but you know what? They're releasing their energy. They're being curious. They're highly creative. They're clear with their boundaries. They're aware of what they want and what they don't want. How many adults can you say have all of those things? So today I choose, dear mama, I choose to just be aware, to acknowledge, to, uh, to be a parent that just for this moment anyways, I may, I, may, I may change my mind tomorrow or something may happen where I may feel mom guilt or like, oh my God, am I doing this right? 
I'm just going to be aware to listen to my natural instinct and respond to my daughter the way that she's showing me she needs. Point blank, to the point, simple, and like they say in many countries, full stop. That's it. And through that, I learn, I grow, I develop, I listen, I hear, I'm present. As we need to be with each and every other human being that we interact with in our lives. For the more that we hear people, that we listen, that we're present, the more that they feel a value. The more that people feel a value in this world, the more that they're going to contribute in a higher capacity and a more positive state of being. As soon as somebody feels that they are unheard and not valued, we have problems in our world because then the, the, the need to control, to raise our voice, to protest, to all these things starts to show up. And I know this from doing research all over the world with, uh, with, with young girls who are in very um, challenging economic environments. That when we provide them with a state of hearing, learning, and a value, and we honor the space that they're currently in and support them to where they would like they would like to go, not where we would like them to go, but they would like to go. It is incredible how different they show up in the world for themselves and for others. So my question to you in this riff this morning, dear mama, is how are you showing up for you? How are you connecting to your values? Um, and you want to learn more about values, please reach out to me. I'm happy to share some information with you, get you signed up to a course, whatever it is that you need around that, because that, I guarantee, will enhance who you, how you show up for you and reduce this mama guilt, this fear of am I doing it right? Because if you're listening to yourself in your authentic state, you're doing it right. All right, dear mama. Love you. Have a wonderful day, week, month. I don't know where you're at right now. And uh, listen soon. Dear Mama, welcome to podcast number three, or maybe it's four. I have no idea. But here is your morning riff this morning coming to you from my car. And yes, as always, I am hands-free and acting safely. I was trying to think about what topic did I want to talk about this morning. And I went through a number of them. And the first thing that came into mind was based on my experience yesterday. And it is, am I doing this right? Motherhood is such an interesting thing. I always talk to um, moms. I remember before even I had a, a child. And I'd watch them and I'd talk to them about their experience between their first and their second or their third or fourth, depending on how many they had. God bless them. Um, and, um, and it was interesting. The first one was always the one that they took the most precautions with, the most um, uh, tentative to, the most kind of uh, research learning, asking questions, unsure, calling their mom, calling their doctor, calling their nurse, calling whoever, to always ask for feedback as to what they should be doing and is it they're doing right and do they have a fever and this rash and, and there's just a constant um, questioning of self and listening inward. and. It's interesting having my daughter who's one, having a mother who's a nurse, um, being a, a single mom, co-parenting with somebody that I don't align with at all. Um, and 
and actually have zero communication with, unfortunately. Um, and trying to listen deeply to myself and what I need and what I want as a mother. And then at the same time, as filling my cup is listening to my daughter's needs and wants and being a responsive parent. And so I heard this term not too long ago, and I think it's really powerful, but um, it, it, it basically is called responsive parenting. Um, and I don't know how much is out there research because I made a choice not to look into it, but just to that the words itself resonated with me and what does that actually mean to me and how do I want to show up to my daughter. Um, and I have very clear values. I've done a lot of values work and so I understand personally I have three very distinct values in the world. Every, every human being has three to five. I do the work, I teach the work, and so um, my three values are uh, freedom, freedom to love, to understand, to listen, to speak, freedom to be who I am in my authentic state everywhere that I go. Um, and there's a few other pieces attached to it. The next value that's really important to me is around uh, community, and that's feeling loved, connected, in community with people that I align with from an authentic place, from my freedom place. So they get to show up in their authentic state and I get to show up in my authentic state and we build community and union. And that's often very difficult because unless we find people in our lives that we are directly aligned with, it can be often challenging to fully be in that space, um, depending on the depth of way that you live in your life and the preferred way of communication or socializing. The last value that I have that is probably the most prominent in all of this or that ties it all together is service. And um, this is about contributions. My value is about contribution, the ability to contribute my gifts um, freely to others in my life, in my work, my career, sorry, in my working career, um, and my personal life as well as in my community, so that I can offer that to anybody, contribute something to a greater purpose. And vice versa is that I get to support people, which is really important to me, to contribute at their greatest capacity and potential. So I know that I have those three values. I know how important they am. I've done a lot of work and a lot of sitting with them and I consciously make any choices in my life when I, when I started to understand and develop these um, and align with them is that any choice that I make in my life has to have those three values in it. If it doesn't have those three values and I can't reconfigure my thinking to incorporate those three values in one form or another, then I don't do it because it's, it's going to fail because those are the core things that are really important to me. And so when I was unexpectedly pregnant with my daughter, I made a conscious decision. I need to live this way with my daughter. And I, there are certain things that I want my daughter to be able to um, learn through my role modeling and through my experiences and my interactions with her and how I can set up community and pieces for her so that she can see things like compassion, empathy, understanding, honoring yourself, listening to your internal boundaries, all of these different things. And at the same time, conflicted with all this information out there in the world about how I should parent, what that should look like, no co-sleeping, no bottle feeding, bottle feed, formula feed, don't formula feed, breastfeed, don't breastfeed. Like there's all this information out there um, about how much social time they should have, how much physical activity they should have, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so there's like just an abundance. And to me, it's super overwhelming even thinking about it. And so you're constantly questioning yourself and questioning that internal um, connection, that internal intuitiveness with your child based on all of this information. If you've done this work in self-development 
and you understand and are aware of yourself and, and aware of what you want to authentically, you know, how you authentically want to parent, it's one thing. But if you're not aware of those things, it's really easy to be bought into all of these different things. And even though I, I've done the work, I still get bombarded. People constantly tell me. So I'm, I'm mostly vegetarian and... You know, somebody said, you should really just give your, your daughter meat because she needs the protein. And it's like, well, if I can get protein in other sources, why do I need to give them meat? Why do I need to give her meat? And then the whole thing of not giving dairy because I don't eat dairy. My daughter is sensitive to dairy. I know because when I have had something with dairy in it and my daughter, um, my breastfeeds, and when I've had dairy and I can tell in her because she's super gassy and so don't give my daughter dairy and so it's just really um that's just such a just a mind swirl I wanted to use the other word but I'm gonna refrain from swearing from this one at least I'm gonna try to anyways um yeah and so it's really interesting you know when we we look at parenting, especially as a new parent, because, you know, oftentimes when we repeat things over and over again, have one, two, three, four, whatever, however many children that you have, you just kind of relax a little bit more into it. But with your first one, you're in this place of like, you know, constantly questioning how you're doing it and why you're doing it and, you know, reading this information and don't do this and don't do that. And I remember sitting with my doctor and my doctor said, okay, so you know, how's the breastfeeding going? It was one of my daughter's checkups and and nine months checkup. You know, how's the breastfeeding going? You know, is she eating solid foods? You know, how's her development? Let's check, you know, do the the checking that they do with their hips and their heart and uh, lungs and eyes and ears and all that kind of stuff and sight. Um, And uh, she says, how's the sleeping? And I was like, oh, my daughter doesn't sleep uh, very well. Um, she still gets up several times for feeding throughout the night and I'm doing this thing called responsive parenting where I'm just being present to it. And she's like, but you're, you, you've mentioned that you're tired. And I was like, yeah, well, that's kind of the piece of it is like, I give up sleep so that I can be present to my daughter, not at the expense of myself. And if it becomes an exp- a, a serious expense to myself, then I'll change that. But it's a short period of time. It's the first two years, you know, more or less of her life that this is going to be happening. And then she says to me, okay, so how's, you know, is she, um, are you co-sleeping? And I was like, yeah, I made a choice to co-sleep because rather than getting up every two to three hours to feed, all I need to do is roll over and be present. She says, do you understand that there's a higher risk of SIDS? And I said, can you explain that to me? And so she explained that the reason why there's a higher risk of SIDS is because when you co-sleep is because you're more likely to like with pillows and blankets that go over the child's face. And then when you're sleeping, you know, and I said, well, I have this special pillow that she sleeps in and there's no blankets or uh, pillows over her, you know, in and around her. And uh, oh, 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 okay. As long as you're taking precautions, but I have to, you know, she's like, I even co-sleep every once in a while with my kids. And so it's really fascinating. Like the research will tell you all of these things. And yet at the same time, you know, people are listening. Um, People don't always go with the research and it's being important to know if you're a heavy sleeper, you probably, and you tend to roll over on people, places and things in your sleep. You probably don't want to co-sleep common sense. If you're a lighter sleeper and you've set up the proper thing, then why not? In most countries in the world, children do not sleep by themselves in their cribs. They sleep in communion. They sleep in in their family structure. They sleep with their siblings. They sleep with their parent. It's only in North America that we tend to put our children 
in a separate room away from us at an earlier age. And then there's a whole thing about sleep training, which I'm not going to get into in this thing because that's a whole other topic. But the whole, the whole premise of this morning was like, am I doing this right? And I had a friend of mine tell me, you don't know if you're doing it right because there is no right. It's what's right for you and your child. And I find that so powerful because that means that everybody's right is different. And from a spiritual level, I believe that as women, we are given children, specific children that are born into the world. They chose us to come into the world from a spiritual uh, perspective. There is a reason if every relationship is unaccidental, every relationship is on purpose, they're here to help us to grow, then my job is to be as present as and in tune with myself in my values-based state so that I can be a best that the reason why my daughter chose me. And the more I evolve as a woman, as a mother, um, as a human being in this world, and I role model compassion, understanding, love, self-reflection, self-care, um, you know, communication, all of those things that are important to me, the more I role model to that, the more strength that my daughter will have in her life. And whatever journeys that she's to fulfill in this world, that's, that's it, right? That's my support to her. That's why I'm offering her as a mother. And there's a really great quote. And actually yesterday at work, I was talking to somebody and somehow we talk about Khalil Gibran and he talks about how, um, you know, children, um, are, are not ours. We don't own children. And I can't remember the exact quote because I don't have it in front of me and I'm terrible with memorizing things like this. But he talks about, Khalil talks about how children come through you as women, but they do not belong to you. And so when I, you know, my last, in my last episode, I talked about like releasing, I talked about that letting go. And so if we are in a place of like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. And if I show up at a hundred percent in any capacity, so I know that I'm being aware, present, if I'm exhausted, if I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm showing up the best that I possibly can in every given situation, then I'm doing the best parenting that I can. And if I can't and I need an extra support, then I ask for it, right? Um, and that, that often requires for women a lot of vulnerability of asking for help, asking for support, asking for connection. And it's so important, you know. We, we used to raise children in community. I had this conversation interesting enough at work too. We used to raise children in community. And now because so many women are working or going to school and raising children and having a family and, 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 and commuting, depending on, you know, North America, it adds extra, you know, half hour, hour to your day, sometimes more depending on where you work and where you live. Um, that adds another sense of, of isolation or of not being in that community, in that presence of your child and your family. And so the dynamics have shifted and changed. And then there's mom guilt and shame and all kinds of stuff that shows up. You know, I know it has for me and many moms that I've talked to is, you know, what is that right balance? And how do we could reconfigure, configure our lives to match our values so that we continuously show up and then understand that there are compromises in certain areas and let go where we cannot really meet the highest need. 
So if my daughter is being loved and cared for and, um, and she's happy and she's learning and she's safe, that is the most highest place. Sometimes what's extremely challenging for me is by whom, right? And, um, and as long as I'm role modeling the best possible space and I'm being the best possible mom and aligning her with the best possible people to caretake for her that is in my control, there are certain things that are in my control, there are certain things that are out of my control, that's what matters. And if I'm having an off day or a bad day or I'm not feeling like I'm being the best parent and I'm aware of it, what am I doing to reconfigure? What am I doing to reconfigure myself so that I can be the best that I can in every given situation? And I'm role modeling the behavior for my daughter because she really does watch everything that I do. And it's funny because if you, (laughs) she has certain facial expressions that people think are so funny because she just kind of shakes her head and her little teeth that are, she's got little spaces between her teeth and she's got them, her mouth open and she's like, grrr, and she's shaking her head. And that's what I do to her in the morning or in the bathtub to make her laugh. And she's doing this. She's just mimicking their mirrors and mimicking. So not only is her nervous system mirrored by mine, but also for the behavior and I'm role modeling this space for her. And that feels like a lot of pressure some days. And at the same time, what it's doing is making me more aware of who I am and how I show up in the world. And am I being in my authentic state? And am I aligned with my values? And can I just be at peace with where I am right now? Right? As somebody who, cr- who chronically hyperthinks about things, who overanalyzes, it allows me to be refocused and be present. What am I doing right now in this moment to be the best mom, best woman, best person, best human that I can be? And then it doesn't matter if I'm doing it right or wrong because that goes out the window. If I'm being the best that I can in this particular situation, then I am doing it right. Right for right now in this moment. And in the next moment, it could change and shift based on what I'm experiencing, right? And so as long as I have my values and I'm aligned with those values and I understand those values and I'm grounded in my self-care and I'm taking time for me and I'm being present to my daughter when she is in my company, or when I'm in her company, I should say, um, that's where all the other stuff goes out the window and I can read and research and learn all these things, which is great. And then I can filter in what is most important to me in this life, in this experience with my daughter. Because I've never done this before, so how would I know what's right for me other than listening to how I stay attuned to what's important, right? And having some of those difficult conversations with people who are not aligned with it from the way that they interact. So my daughter, a great example. My daughter has very clear boundaries. If she doesn't like something, she will literally hit your hand away and say, no, I do it. Or she, she's just very clear with her boundaries. And I watch some, how some people interact with her and they're like, no, no, come, come, come. And, and then so I have to tell them, she's being very clear with you right now that those are her boundaries. She doesn't want your help. She doesn't want to come up. She doesn't want a kiss. She doesn't want a hug. And that's okay. Even at one, she's been doing this for months, by the way. And it's fascinating to watch how clear her boundaries are. 
And it makes me think all these women in the world right now who have serious boundary issues with men or people or family, it doesn't matter who it is, mostly it's with men, interesting enough. But those boundaries probably existed when you were a child, but through conditioning, through culture, through different experiences, they were lost. And so when we get back to that space, when we get back to that place, it's amazing what we learn through our children. My daughter is reminding me daily about effective boundaries. She doesn't know any different. And I make sure if she doesn't want to hug right now, okay, no hug, it's okay, it's totally fine. How about a high five? Oh, you want to give me a high five? Great, thank you. So I'm, I'm being mindful and then I'm looking around me in my day to day and going, where are my boundaries with other people not set the way that my daughter is exampling to me, right? How powerful is that? To me, that's right parenting. For some of you, you might disagree and that's okay. But there's a different way of thinking about it. If we watch our children in their pure state, we know highly intelligent human beings, even at that age, they may not be able to talk our language. They may not be able to interact the way that we want. They may throw food around. They may throw a little tantrum, but you know what? They're releasing their energy. They're being curious. They're highly creative. They're clear with their boundaries. They're aware of what they want and what they don't want. How many adults can you say have all of those things? So today I choose, dear mama, I choose to just be aware, to acknowledge, to, uh, to be a parent that just for this moment anyways, I may, I, may, I may change my mind tomorrow or something may happen where I may feel mom guilt or like, oh my God, am I doing this right? I'm just going to be aware to listen to my natural instinct and respond to my daughter the way that she's showing me she needs Point blank, to the point, simple, and like they say in many countries, full stop. That's it. And through that, I learn, I grow, I develop, I listen, I hear, I'm present. As we need to be with each and every other human being that we interact with in our lives. For the more that we hear people, that we listen, that we're present, the more that they feel a value. The more that people feel a value in this world the more that they're gonna contribute in a higher capacity and a more positive state of being. As soon as somebody feels that they are unheard and not valued, we have problems in our world because then the, the need to control, to raise our voice, to protest, to all these things starts to show up. And I know this from doing research all over the world with, uh, with, with young girls who are in very um, challenging economic environments. That when we provide them with a state of hearing, learning, and a value, and we honor the space that they're currently in and support them to where they would like they would like to go, not where we would like them to go, but they would like to go. It is incredible how different they show up in the world for themselves and for others. So my question to you in this riff this morning, dear mama, is how are you showing up for you? How are you connecting to your values? Um, 
and you want to learn more about values, please reach out to me. I'm happy to share some information with you, get you signed up to a course, whatever it is that you need around that, because that I guarantee will enhance who you, how you show up for you and reduce this mama guilt, this fear of, am I doing it right? Because if you're listening to yourself in your authentic state, you're doing it right. All right, dear mama. Love you. Have a wonderful day, week, month. I don't know where you're at right now. And uh, listen soon. Dear Mama, welcome to podcast number three, or maybe it's four. I have no idea. But here is your morning riff this morning coming to you from my car. And yes, as always, I am hands-free and acting safely. I was trying to think about what topic did I want to talk about this morning. And I went through a number of them. And the first thing that came into mind was based on my experience yesterday. And it is, am I doing this right? Motherhood is such an interesting thing. I always talk to um, moms. I remember before even I had a, a child. And I'd watch them and I'd talk to them about their experience between their first and their second or their third or fourth, depending on how many they had. God bless them. Um, and, um, and it was interesting. The first one was always the one that they took the most precautions with, the most um, uh, tentative to, the most kind of uh, research learning, asking questions, unsure, calling their mom, calling their doctor, calling their nurse, calling whoever, to always ask for feedback as to what they should be doing and is it they're doing right and do they have a fever and this rash. And, and there's just a constant um, questioning of self and listening inward. And it's interesting having my daughter who's one, having a mother who's a nurse, um, being a, a single mom, co-parenting with somebody that I don't align with at all, um, and and actually have zero communication with, unfortunately, um, and trying to listen deeply to myself and what I need and what I want as a mother, and then at the same time as filling my cup is listening to my daughter's needs and wants and being a responsive parent. And so I heard this term not too long ago, and I think it's really powerful, but um, it, it, it basically is called responsive parenting. Um, and I don't know how much is out there researched because I made a choice not to look into it, but just to, that the words itself resonated with me and what does that actually mean to me and how do I want to show up to my daughter? Um, and I have very clear values. I've done a lot of values work. And so I understand personally, I have three very distinct values in the world. Every, every human being has three to five. I do the work, I teach the work. And so um, my three values are uh, freedom, freedom to love, to understand, to listen, to speak, freedom to be who I am in my authentic state everywhere that I go. Um, and there's a few other pieces attached to it. The next value that's really important to me is around uh, community. And that's feeling loved, connected, in community with people that I align with from an authentic place, from my freedom place. So they get to show up in their authentic state and I get to show up in my authentic state and we build community and union. And that's often very difficult because unless we find people in our lives that we are directly aligned with, it can be often challenging to fully be in that space, um, depending on the depth of way that you live in your life and the preferred way of communication or socializing. 
the last value that I have that is probably the most prominent in all of this or that ties it all together is service. And um, this is about contributions. My value is about contribution, the ability to contribute my gifts um, freely to others in my life, in my work, my career, sorry, in my working career, um, and my personal life as well as in my community so that I can offer that to anybody, contribute something to a greater purpose. And vice versa is that I get to support people, which is really important to me, to contribute at their greatest capacity and potential. So I know that I have those three values. I know how important they am. I've done a lot of work and a lot of sitting with them and I consciously make any choices in my life when I, when I started to understand and develop these um, and align with them is that any choice that I make in my life has to have those three values in it. If it doesn't have those three values and I can't reconfigure my thinking to incorporate those three values in one form or another, then I don't do it because it's, it's going to fail because those are the core things that are really important to me. And so when I was unexpectedly pregnant with my daughter, I made a conscious decision. I need to live this way with my daughter. And I, there are certain things that I want my daughter to be able to um, learn through my role modeling and through my experiences and my interactions with her and how I can set up community and pieces for her so that she can see things like compassion, empathy, understanding, honoring yourself, listening to your internal boundaries, all of these different things. And at the same time, conflicted with all this information out there in the world about how I should parent, what that should look like, no co-sleeping, no bottle feeding, bottle feed, formula feed, don't formula feed, breastfeed, don't breastfeed. Like there's all this information out there um, about how much social time they should have, how much physical activity they should have, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so there's like just an abundance. And to me, it's super overwhelming even thinking about it. And so you're constantly questioning yourself and questioning that internal um, connection, that internal intuitiveness with your child based on all of this information. If you've done this work in self-development and you understand and are aware of yourself and, and aware of what you want to authentically, you know, how you authentically want to parent, it's one thing. But if you're not aware of those things, it's really easy to be bought into all of these different things. And even though I, I've done the work, I still get bombarded. People constantly tell me. So I'm, I'm mostly vegetarian. And, you know, somebody said, you should really just give your, your daughter meat because she needs the protein. And it's like, well, if I can get protein in other sources, why do I need to give them meat? Why do I need to give her meat? And then the whole thing of not giving dairy because I don't eat dairy. My daughter is sensitive to dairy. I know because when I have had something with dairy in it and my daughter, um, my breastfeeds, and when I've had dairy and I can tell in her because she's super gassy. And so don't give my daughter dairy. And so it, it's just really, um, that's just such a, just a mind swirl. I wanted to use the other word, but I'm going to refrain from swearing from this one. At least I'm going to try to anyways. Um, yeah. And so it's really interesting, you know, when we, we look at parenting, especially as a new parent, because, you know, oftentimes when we repeat things over and over again, have one, two, three, four, whatever, however many children that you have, you just kind of relax a little bit more into it but with your first one you're in this place of like you know constantly questioning how you're doing it and why you're doing it and you know reading this information and don't do this and don't do that and I remember sitting with my doctor and my doctor said okay so 
you know, how's the breastfeeding going? It was one of my daughter's checkups and a nine month checkup. You know, how's the breastfeeding going? You know, is she eating solid foods? You know, how's her development? Let's check, you know, do the, the checking that they do with their hips and their heart and uh, lungs and eyes and ears and all that kind of stuff and sight. Um, and uh, she says, how's the sleeping? And I was like, oh, my daughter doesn't sleep uh, very well. Um, she still gets up several times for feeding throughout the night and I'm doing this thing called responsive parenting where I'm just being present to it. And she's like, but you're, you, you've mentioned that you're tired. And I was like, yeah, well, that's kind of the piece of it is like, I give up sleep so that I can be present to my daughter, not at the expense of myself. And if it becomes an exp- a, a serious expense to myself, then I'll change that. But it's a short period of time. It's the first two years, you know, more or less of her life that this is going to be happening. And then she says to me, okay, so how's, you know, is she, um, are you co-sleeping? And I was like, yeah, I made a choice to co-sleep because rather than getting up every two to three hours to feed, all I need to do is roll over and be present. She says, do you understand that there's a higher risk of SIDS? And I said, can you explain that to me? And so she explained that the reason why there's a higher risk of SIDS is because when you co-sleep is because you're more likely to like with pillows and blankets that go over the child's face. And then when you're sleeping, you know, and I said, well, I have this special pillow that she sleeps in and there's no blankets or uh, pillows over her, you know, in and around her. And uh, oh, 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 okay. As long as you're taking precautions, but I have to, you know, she's like, I even co-sleep every once in a while with my kids. And so it's really fascinating. Like the research will tell you all of these things. And yet at the same time, you know, people are listening. Um, People don't always go with the research and it's being important to know if you're a heavy sleeper, you probably, and you tend to roll over on people, places and things in your sleep. You probably don't want to co-sleep common sense. If you're a lighter sleeper and you've set up the proper thing, then why not? In most countries in the world, children do not sleep by themselves in their cribs. They sleep in communion. They sleep in in their family structure. They sleep with their siblings. They sleep with their parent. It's only in North America that we tend to put our children in a separate room away from us at an earlier age. And then there's a whole thing about sleep training, which I'm not going to get into in this thing because that's a whole other topic. But the whole, the whole premise of this morning was like, am I doing this right? And I had a friend of mine tell me, you don't know if you're doing it right because there is no right. It's what's right for you and your child. And I find that so powerful because that means that everybody's right is different. And from a spiritual level, I believe that as women, we are given children, specific children that are born into the world. They chose us to come into the world from a spiritual uh, perspective. There is a reason if every relationship is unaccidental, every relationship is on purpose, they're here to help us to grow, then my job is to be as present as and in tune with myself in my values-based state so that I can be a best that the reason why my daughter chose me and the more I evolve as a woman as a mother um, as a human being in this world and I role model compassion understanding love self-reflection self-care you know communication all of those things that are important to me the more I role model to that the more strength that my daughter will have in her life and whatever journeys that she's to fulfill in this world that's, that's it, right? That's my support to her. That's why I'm offering her as a mother. 
and there's a really great quote and actually yesterday at work I was talking to somebody and somehow we talk about Khalil Gibran and he talks about how um, you know children um, are are not ours we don't own children and I can't remember the exact quote because I don't have it in front of me and I'm terrible with memorizing things like this but he talks about Khalil Gibran talks about how children come through you as women but they do not belong to you and so when I, you know, my last, in my last episode, I talked about like releasing, I talked about that letting go. And so if we are in a place of like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. And if I show up at a hundred percent in any capacity, so I know that I'm being aware, present, if I'm exhausted, if I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm showing up the best that I possibly can in every given situation, then I'm doing the best parenting that I can. And if I can't and I need an extra support, then I ask for it, right? Um, and that, that often requires for women a lot of vulnerability of asking for help, asking for support, asking for connection. And it's so important, you know. We, we used to raise children in community. I had this conversation interesting enough at work too. We used to raise children in community. And now because so many women are working or going to school and raising children and having a family and, 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 and commuting, depending on, you know, North America, it adds extra, you know, half hour, hour to your day, sometimes more depending on where you work and where you live. Um, that adds another sense of, of isolation or of not being in that community, in that presence of your child and your family. And so the dynamics have shifted and changed. And then there's mom guilt and shame and all kinds of stuff that shows up. You know, I know it has for me and many moms that I've talked to is, you know, what is that right balance? And how do we could reconfigure, configure our lives to match our values so that we continuously show up and then understand that there are compromises in certain areas and let go where we cannot really meet the highest need. So if my daughter is being loved and cared for and, um, and she's happy and she's learning and she's safe, that is the most highest place. Sometimes what's extremely challenging for me is by whom, right? And, um, and as long as I'm role modeling the best possible space and I'm being the best possible mom and aligning her with the best possible people to caretake for her that is in my control, there are certain things that are in my control, there's certain things that are out of my control, that's what matters. And if I'm having an off day or a bad day or I'm not feeling like I'm being the best parent and I'm aware of it, what am I doing to reconfigure? What am I doing to reconfigure myself so that I can be the best that I can in every given situation? And I'm role modeling the behavior for my daughter because she really does watch everything that I do. And it's funny because if you, (laughs) she has certain facial expressions that people think are so funny because she just kind of shakes her head and her little teeth that are, she's got little spaces between her teeth and she's got them, her mouth open and she's like, grrr, and she's shaking her head. And that's what I do to her in the morning or in the bathtub to make her laugh. And she's doing this. She's just mimicking their mirrors and mimicking. So not only is her nervous system mirrored by mine, but also for the behavior and I'm role modeling this space for her. 
And that feels like a lot of pressure some days. And at the same time, what it's doing is making me more aware of who I am and how I show up in the world. And am I being in my authentic state? And am I aligned with my values? And can I just be at peace with where I am right now? Right? As somebody who chronically hyperthinks about things, who overanalyzes, it allows me to be refocus and be present. What am I doing right now in this moment to be the best mom, best woman, best person, best human that I can be? And then it doesn't matter if I'm doing it right or wrong because that goes out the window. If I'm being the best that I can in this particular situation, then I am doing it right right for right now in this moment and in the next moment it could change and shift based on what I'm experiencing right and so as long as I have my values and I'm aligned with those values and I understand those values and I'm grounded in my self-care and I'm taking time for me and I'm being present to my daughter when she is in my company or when I'm in her company I should say um, that's where all the other stuff goes out the window and I can read and research and learn all these things which is great and then I can filter in what is most important to me in this life in this experience with my daughter because I've never done this before so how would I know what's right for me other than listening to how I stay attuned to what's important right and having some of those difficult conversations with people who are not aligned with it from the way that they interact. So my daughter, a great example. My daughter has very clear boundaries. If she doesn't like something, she will literally hit your hand away and say, no, I do it. Or she, she's just very clear with her boundaries. And I watch some, how some people interact with her and they're like, no, no, come, come, come. And, and then so I have to tell them, she's being very clear with you right now that those are her boundaries. She doesn't want your help. She doesn't want to come up. She doesn't want a kiss. She doesn't want a hug. And that's okay. Even at one, she's been doing this for months, by the way. And it's fascinating to watch how clear her boundaries are. And it makes me think all these women in the world right now who have serious boundary issues with men or people or family, it doesn't matter who it is. Mostly it's with men, interesting enough. But those boundaries probably existed when you were a child, but through conditioning, through culture, through different experiences, they were lost. And so when we get back to that space, when we get back to that place, it's amazing what we learn through our children. My daughter is reminding me daily about effective boundaries. She doesn't know any different. And I make sure if she doesn't want to hug right now, okay, no hug. It's okay. It's totally fine. How about a high five? Oh, you want to give me a high five? Great. Thank you. So I'm, I'm being mindful. And then I'm looking around me in my day to day and going, where are my boundaries with other people? Not set the way that my daughter is exampling to me, right? How powerful is that? To me, that's right parenting. For some of you, you might disagree and that's okay. But there's a different way of thinking about it. If we watch our children in their pure state, we know highly intelligent human beings, even at that age, they may not be able to talk our language. They may not be able to interact the way that we want. They may throw food around. They may throw little tantrums, but you know what? They're releasing their energy. 
they're being curious, they're highly creative, they're clear with their boundaries, they're aware of what they want and what they don't want. How many adults can you say have all of those things? So today I choose, dear mama, I choose to just be aware, to acknowledge, to uh, to be a parent that just for this moment anyways, I may, I, may, I may change my mind tomorrow or something may happen where I may feel mom guilt or like, oh my God, am I doing this right? I'm just going to be aware to listen to my natural instinct and respond to my daughter the way that she's showing me she needs Point blank, to the point, simple, and like they say in many countries, full stop. That's it. And through that, I learn, I grow, I develop, I listen, I hear, I'm present. As we need to be with each and every other human being that we interact with in our lives. For the more that we hear people, that we listen, that we're present, the more that they feel a value. The more that people feel a value in this world the more that they're gonna contribute in a higher capacity and a more positive state of being. As soon as somebody feels that they are unheard and not valued, we have problems in our world because then the the need to control, to raise our voice, to protest, to all these things starts to show up. And I know this from doing research all over the world with with young girls who are in very um, challenging economic environments. That when we provide them with a state of hearing, learning, and a value, and we honor the space that they're currently in and support them to where they would like they would like to go, not where we would like them to go, but they would like to go. It is incredible how different they show up in the world for themselves and for others. So my question to you in this riff this morning, dear mama, is how are you showing up for you? How are you connecting to your values? Um, and you want to learn more about values, please reach out to me. I'm happy to share some information with you, get you signed up to a course, whatever it is that you need around that, because that, I guarantee, will enhance who you, how you show up for you and reduce this mama guilt, this fear of am I doing it right? Because if you're listening to yourself in your authentic state, you're doing it right. All right, dear mama. Love you. Have a wonderful day, week, month. I don't know where you're at right now. And uh, listen soon.